On this episode of Blue 58, are there too many cooks in the kitchen on the Packers' offense? Could be, and it may be the reason the Packers are looking sluggish on that side of the ball so far this year. Plus why Aaron Rodgers is just a little bored, and why you should keep an eye on what Russell Wilson is wearing on his head Thursday night. Blue 58! Hello and welcome to another episode of Blue 58, the one and only podcast to thepowersweep.com. I'm your host, John Meerdick. Bit of a different show for you tonight, today. Whenever you happen to be listening to this, Uh, normally on Wednesdays or for the Wednesday episode, we do kind of a topical show. What's what's going on in the world of the Packers this week? What do we need to talk about? What do we do we need to sort out before we go into this weekend's game? Well, this week there is a game tomorrow by the time you listen to this, potentially today uh, by the time it actually gets into your podcast queue. So we're doing a little bit of a split program this time around. We're going to talk about a couple things that are going on with the team and then give you a preview of the Seahawks in our typical fashion. One different thing on the preview though, since we do our weekly poll on Wednesdays, we don't have poll numbers for you in this week's preview. I think on balance though, kind of works itself out given out uh, given some of the other stuff that we are uh, talking about today. We are still going to do that poll on Wednesday but it's just going to not be included in this week's podcast. Sound good? Good. Uh, We got a fantastic question on Twitter late last week, and I wanted to hold on to it until today, so we had time to really break it down. Gary Powers asks, do you feel the big increase in the number of coordinators slash coaching positions on offense could be contributing to them being out of sync? Too many cooks, so to speak? Very interesting question, because the Packers are pretty coordinator heavy on that side of the ball. The research is this and interesting, and I got got to give a big shout out to another Gary, Gary Zillavy, my partner in this entire project, on this particular question. He did a lot of research on NFL coaching staffs throughout the league, and he found some interesting stuff. A couple takeaways from the data. First, the Packers actually don't really have that many more coaches than a given NFL team. There are 20 total coaches, offense and defense, is third most in the league. Most teams in the league have around 19 or 20. The most have around 23. The least is the New England Patriots down with 13 more on them in particular. We don't have uh, in, a, in a second. We don't have data on past years, but it seems pretty safe to say that this number of coaches is probably fairly similar within the the league as a whole over the past few years. So not a big reason to think that the Packers have a dramatically different coaching staff than they've had in the past. Again, New England gets their operation done with just 13 coaches, significantly fewer than the Packers, especially on defense, just four coaches on that side of the ball. If you don't count Bill Belichick, and he's kind of all-seeing master of everything there in New England, but on defense, they just have the four. Second takeaway here, though, is the important one. The Packers seem to be a little bit top-heavy with coordinators. They have a head coach who calls plays, an offensive coordinator, a run game coordinator, and a passing game coordinator, four coordinators on one side of the ball, one of whom, James Campen, has additional duties as the offensive line coach. As a side note, wide receivers coach David Rye was the offensive perimeter coach last year, quasi-coordinator there, so... Though it's hard to say exactly what that job title means, they did have a different, similar role for a quasi-coordinator in the not-too-distant past. If there is an inefficiency on the 
offensive side of the ball, I think it could very well be, as Gary points out, because of all these pieces and not really having a clear understanding of how all the all of them fit together. If I was like a, a, a consultant brought in to work on the organizational side of the Packers coaching staff, this would be one of the first things that I asked about. You've got all these guys on the top end of the org chart, as it were, for the Packers offense. What are they all doing? And this is kind of a question that you could ask going back a few years. What did Tom Clements really do? What did Alex Van Pelt really do? He was the quarterback's coach, but it seemed like his real job was just to be Aaron Rodgers' friend. What did Edgar Bennett do when he was the offensive coordinator? You got a bunch of coaches whose titles would imply power or significant responsibility on that side of the ball, but it's not really clear what they actually do. Same kind of goes for Winston Moss on defense, but that's a that's a different issue we'll touch on here in a second. All in all, at least on the offensive side of the ball, it seems like a lot of moving parts without much to really show for it. I think Gary Powers, the question asker, could be on to something here. And kind of this thing that I, I realize we're working through this season is just trying to figure out what's going on with the Packers offense. And I think you do have to take some time to just break down these theories as they come up. It's worth asking these questions and sorting through them. You know, is it Mike McCarthy? Is it the coaching staff? Is it Aaron Rodgers? To try to figure out what exactly is going on. I don't think you're ever going to come to one conclusive answer. Yep, this is the one thing they need to fix to get it sorted out. But maybe you start getting a better picture overall. It's probably a little bit of this, a little bit of that, and you pull from two or three theories and sort it out from there. But it's important to ask these questions and figure it out kind of as you go. Here's an added caveat to this, though. The Packers' defense has the same amount of coaches as the offense, if you include Mike McCarthy as an offensive coach, and I think that's fair to do. But the defense seems to run a lot more smoothly than the offense. You don't get basic wires crossed or just basic execution stuff getting messed up as much on defense as you do on offense. Defense is similar in those respects in some ways, but it just seems like they don't have those common common errors. Everybody seems to know where they're supposed to be at all times. When was the last time you called, saw the defense have to call a timeout just because they didn't they weren't adequately prepared for what the offense was going to roll out. I don't know if that's happened all season. I certainly can't remember it. It happens two or three times a game for the offense. They're just not ready to go. But on defense, you never see that see that happen. I think you could say that the defense getting these kind of results with relatively similar structure to the offense says something about who's running things at the top of the offense, which kind of points another finger at Mike McCarthy. And also, although to a lesser extent, Aaron Rodgers, because he has a big part in executing what the offense actually does. Speaking of Aaron Rodgers, we've been kind of working over the past couple of weeks in a variety of ways on what I think I would describe as a unifying theory of Aaron Rodgers, kind of coming up with a descriptive or a descriptor for why he is the way that he is and why he's playing the way that he is. I think we've established pretty well over the past couple weeks, the past couple episodes, that Aaron Rodgers is not playing particularly well. Why is a different question, and it's one that's much harder to answer, but I think there is something in the not-too-distant past that gives us a pretty good answer. Aaron Rodgers needs to be challenged as a player. 
And right now, I don't think he is being challenged as a player. And as a result, I think he's just getting a little bit bored. Packers aren't any, introducing anything new on their offense. He's running the same system he's run for 13 years. And he's just kind of tired of it. And so he's pressing a little bit more in some areas. He's being ultra conservative in others. And that's leading to the bogged down Packers offense that we're seeing. Let's look back at something I wrote back in, about Aaron Rodgers in 2016. If you'll think back a couple of years, you'll remember that Aaron Rodgers did not start out this 2016 season all that well. And we wrote a piece at the time titled, It's Time to Challenge Aaron Rodgers, which began with a quote from Rodgers that said, I desperately want to be coached. He said that to the Monday morning quarterback and Peter King in September 2015. He really likes being coached and coached hard. And it's difficult to look at Aaron Rodgers in 2016 and now and see a guy who's really being challenged because you see the same bad habits coming up again and again and again. He breaks the pocket early. He doesn't go through his progressions all the way. He misses easy throws. And those are the sort of things a coach who has real, I don't know, I almost want to say guts, who has some real pull in the locker room or pull with his star player would get straightened out. And Rodgers seems to need a guy who's going to challenge him on those things. Here's what I wrote to conclude the piece then. It's a fairly extensive quote, but I think it kind of illustrates a good point. Quoting now, someone has to help Rodgers break these habits. If he truly believes what he said last year in 2015, and he really does love to be coached, that person should be Mike McCarthy. But if McCarthy speaks, will Rodgers listen? Other quarterbacks have, including Rodgers' predecessor. In 2006, Brett Favre returned to the Packers despite his declared reluctance to learn a new offensive system. He'd thrown 67 interceptions the previous three seasons, and it was Mike McCarthy's job to rein him in. He did. Favre's interception percentage dropped from an average of 4.1% from 2003 through 2005 to 2.9% to in 2006 and 2.8% in 2007. Those were McCarthy's first two years on the jobs. Despite early resistance, McCarthy was able to help the three-time MVP regain some of his previous form. Rodgers rarely makes the same sort of spectacular mistakes that Favre did, but they can be very similar in other respects. Both make tremendous plays outside the pocket when a play breaks down. Both have a serious distrust for young receivers. The USA Today said that part of the blame for Favre's 29 interception season in 2005 was, quote, throwing to young receivers whom he wasn't familiar with, end quote. Both have near photographic memory, Favre and Rodgers, and both have holes in their games that a competent coach can and should correct. It's time for someone on the Packers to challenge Anna Rodgers and help him do just that. That's where the piece ends. So now the question is, if this is true about Rodgers, and I believe it is, can Mike McCarthy be the one to bring it out? And to answer that question, I'd like to return to something we talked about much earlier this season. A transcription from an episode released in early February would seem to indicate that we don't believe he can. And I still kind of believe this. I think Aaron Rodgers reminds me in a lot of ways of the, the, the TV show Top Gun, or not Top Gun, Top Gear. And I used this analogy back in February. Uh, the hosts on Top Gear are car enthusiasts. They know more about a given car than 99% of people. And they can drive these cars pretty well, way better than an average person. But when you really want to get 
a car figured out and see what it can really do, they bring in their resident race car driver, the Stig. And he races it around the track at a professional level so you can really put the car through its paces. I think there's something to that, and I want to read part of what I said back then to kind of bring that analogy home. Quote, Aaron Rodgers is like the high-end sports car. He is, for my money, the best quarterback who has ever played. He's better at doing the things a quarterback needs to do than anybody else. He can do them in a unique way to him that no other quarterback can duplicate. The things that Aaron Rodgers does well, he does better than anyone else who has ever done them. Mike McCarthy does not put him in a position to maximize those skills. He's a good coach, but mostly by virtue of the fact that he's been doing this at a high-end level in the NFL for a long time as a coordinator, quarterback's coach, and a head coach. He seems like one of those coaches who is good because he's done it for a long time, not because he's an exceptional talent. McCarthy is the guy who owns a high-end sports car. He may know the car well and be able to drive it competently enough, but he's no professional driver. I wish we could see what Aaron Rodgers could do working with someone who could elevate his skills, and I don't know if McCarthy is the person who can do that anymore, end quote. Now in November, what is that, nine months later, I think I've concluded that Mike McCarthy is not that guy who's going to elevate Aaron Rodgers because I don't think he is challenging Aaron Rodgers anymore. That, I think, is my unifying theory on Aaron Rodgers. He wants to be challenged. He's not being challenged. And as a result, things have gotten stale for him. I don't want to be the guy who says that McCarthy's message is stale. He's lost the locker room. I think that's difficult to define. And this thing about Aaron Rodgers is difficult to to define enough. We don't need to get super into the weeds here. But I think there's something to the idea that Aaron Rodgers is a little bit bored. And uh, it's causing the offense and him to struggle as a result. Just one man's opinion, but I think it, it explains things pretty well. That's all I had I wanted to talk about before we get to the preview portion, so let's transition into that. Here are five things for you to think about during Thursday's game. Number one, you may have heard this, but Russell Wilson is a pretty good quarterback, and the Packers will have to play him well to keep him in check. Unfortunately, Wilson's been pretty good no matter what opposing defensive ha- defensives have thrown at him so far this season. His passer rating is a career-high 110.2, which is excellent. But digging a little deeper, it looks even better. When he's facing the Blitz, Wilson's passer rating is a league-leading 129.4. And who likes to manufacture a lot of pressure with Blitzes? One Mike Pettin. Even when the pressure forces Wilson out of the pocket, his rating drops only to 108.7, good for fifth best in the league in those situations. For comparison, Aaron Rodgers is 10th in the NFL with a rating of 89.1 outside the pocket this season. Number two, Mike Daniels hasn't really stuffed the stat sheet so far this year, but that doesn't mean he's not having an impact. Even though he's only recorded two sacks, according to ESPN's pass rush win rate stat, he's one of the top defensive tackles in the league at beating the man in front of him. He's winning 35% of his one-on-one pass rush matchups so far this year. He's behind only Aaron Donald's whopping 45% success rate as of November 7th. Number three, we all know Aaron Jones has been great, but you may not have realized exactly how unprecedented his 2018 season has been. He's produced 494 yards on 73 carries so far this year, and only one Packers player has ever done better on the same amount of carries. Tobin Rote produced 510 yards on his first 73 rushes of the 1951 season, averaging a whopping 6.99 yards per carry. 
Number four, a Thursday night game between two talented but underachieving squads seems like it could easily hinge on a special teams play. If that's any indication, neither team is doing particularly great, but Seattle might have an edge. Football Outsiders ranks Seattle's special teams 12th in the league, based largely on the strength of their rookie punter, Michael Dixon. He's a former Australian rules football player with a diverse arsenal of punting styles. Keep an eye out for that on Thursday night. Fortunately, the Packers may be in line for a little bit of special teams help of their own this week. Trevor Davis is eligible to play against the Seahawks after returning from injured reserve. He averaged 12 yards per return on 24 opportunities last season. He was also third on the team in special teams tackles last year with five. Coming out ahead of players more commonly thought of as special teams aces like Jeff Janis and Kyler Fackrell. And number five, the Packers will wear their all-white color rush uniforms for the third time Thursday night. Green Bay is 2-0 in their previous color rush games, both against Chicago. In week seven of the 2016 season, they beat the Bears 26-10, wearing all-white at home, then duplicated the feat in week four of the 2017 season with a strong 35-14 win. Who's going to be an X-factor this week? Josh Jones got his most significant playing time of the season last week against the Dolphins, lining up for 61 snaps on that side of the ball, just under 90% of the total for the afternoon. And with the Packers safety group taking another hit this week in the form of an injury to Kentrell, Bryce Jones may be counted upon to stabilize the position again. Don't expect to see him roving deep in the secondary, but he could again provide an athletic presence near the line of scrimmage, which would be more than welcome with Russell Wilson roaming about. What happened the last time the Packers and Seahawks played? This is actually the fifth consecutive regular season in which the Packers have played the Seahawks. Last year, the Packers got their season started with a solid 17-9 win over Seattle at Lambeau Field. Aaron Rodgers was solid, if not spectacular, that afternoon. He had 311 yards, a touchdown, and an interception on 42 attempts. The lone touchdown was a classic free play seam route to Jordy Nelson, which also happens to be the last touchdown of more than 20 yards Nelson has scored. He went 32 yards on that particular play. Mike Daniels and Nick Perry led the strong defensive effort with one and a half sacks apiece as Russell Wilson was held to just 158 passing yards. So who's going to win this time around? In a normal week, I think these teams would be pretty close to even. Both have played better teams pretty tough and then lost some games they probably should have won, then underachieved generally throughout their schedule on their way to pretty middling records so far. On your average Sunday afternoon, you could easily see this being any kind of close game. An offensive shootout, uh, a defensive slugfest, a game that's sloppy but close for some reason. Any of those things can happen. But unfortunately, this isn't your average Sunday afternoon. This is Thursday night football where the Packers, a bit banged up, have to take their weary roster halfway across the country to the Pacific Northwest and play in front of a crowd that is pretty much the very definition of hostile. Given how inconsistently the Packers have played this season, this does not feel like a situation where they're going to do particularly well. In fact, this seems like this sort of game where they're just going to eventually come apart at the seams. They may may start strong, but I see Seattle pulling away in this one. I'll take Seattle 31, Green Bay 21 in a game that may not look as close as it does on the scoreboard. One last thought. We reported 
exclusively, I might add, earlier this year that Aaron Rodgers would be forced to change his headgear in 2019 thanks to new NFL helmet guidelines. We didn't know what helmet he'd wear next year, but now we have an idea of what brand he is likely to choose. According to Forbes, Rodgers recently invested in the Seattle-based helmet manufacturer Vichis as part of a $28.5 million round of investment funding for the company. A line from the article announced that Rogers' investment seems to indicate that he'll switch from his traditional shut model helmet to the Vichis helmet next year. Quote, despite the investment, Rogers still does not wear the Vichis helmet on the field and doesn't plan to do so until the 2019 season, end quote. Russell Wilson and Doug Baldwin of the Seattle Seahawks both already wear that particular model helmet, so keep an eye on their headgear for an idea of the kind of models Rodgers could be sporting next year. Something to watch in the uniform world, in addition to the neon green Seattle's going to be wearing on Thursday night and the relatively bland but conservative Packers white. That's all I've got for you this time around. Thank you so much for listening. We will see you Friday morning. I guess it'll be early Friday morning for us recording the episode, and then maybe early Friday morning for you listening to the episode too. Hopefully after a Packers win, we'll see what happens. Best of luck to them Thursday night, and uh, I hope you enjoy watching the game as well. It should be a fun one. That's all I've got for you this time around. Again, thank you for listening. Uh, We'll see you Friday morning.